Hi, I'm Jago Wynn, and welcome to the HDC Daily Podcast. We as a church are meeting daily on Zoom to speak to God in prayer and to hear from God in the Bible. For those of you who can't join us live or who want to listen again, we're featuring the Daily Bible Thought, and we're also including how we're being encouraged to pray each day. Today, it's James Farley. So good morning. Uh, It's great to be with you today. This week, we're continuing looking through the book of Genesis in our overview of the Bible this term. Uh, If you're with us last week, we looked at Genesis 3 and the fall. And this week, the theme is social deterioration, how everything goes from bad to worse. And today we're looking at the story of Noah and the flood. We pick up the story in Genesis 6, um, starting at verse 5, 5 to 14, and then 17 to 22. So from verse 5, let me read it now. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jabeth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch, insides and outs. And then we skip down to verse 17, where God continues. I'm going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So what is going on? Here, well, I think we can see here there's a big problem. Everyone was evil, and there's a big solution a flood that destroyed everyone except Noah and his family. And what we're going to do is look at how God dealt with evil then and see how that points towards the way God has dealt with evil now through the cross. But firstly, in the story, what is going on so that God needs to send a massive flood to destroy everyone except Noah and his family? Well, we can see that at the start of verse 5. And it says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. This is a desperate situation. Things couldn't get much worse than that. We then read this startling verse. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Upon first reading this, it may be a bit alarming to read in verse 6 that God regretted making humanity. Does this imply that God thought he had made a mistake? Does God wish he had never made 
humans. Well, I had a quick um, Google this, found quite a helpful website which explains the Hebrew word translated here as regret is a word exclusively about emotions, a feeling of pain, sadness or unhappiness. The word does not imply that God feels he has made a mistake or that he wishes to have done differently. It's possible to experience grief, grief and regret as used here without implying an error. And what is the most amazing about this verse is that we get a glimpse into the emotional heart of God. We see that God experiences pain, sadness, deep discomfort at the evil in the world. We read literally his heart was deeply troubled. And it shows the way in which we act, it matters to God. God does not stand aloof from the world, removed from the pain and the struggle and all the evil that occurs in it. No, God's heart breaks at injustice, at violence, at all the pain that our sin causes to others and the sin of others causes to ourselves. So what was the problem? Well, everyone was evil. Evil was rampant in the world, such that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Pretty bad situation. So what was God going to do about it? Well, if things are that bad, that desperate, then it needs a desperate solution. And so God says that the solution is to destroy the human race along with all the animals. Or at least that's what it seems to say. We read in verse 7, God says, I'll wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground. That seems pretty universal. That seems to include everyone, no exceptions. But then we get to verse 8, where the, the narrative shifts. It starts, but Noah. From the doom and gloom of everyone being evil, we then read, but Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. In the words of John Stott, Noah stood out from the general depravity like a fragrant flower on a manure heap. It's quite a, quite a thought. There is certainly quite a contrast between Noah and everyone else. We read on in verse 9 that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. We see that it was through Noah that God saved the world, restarting the human race with his family, and also bringing a pair of each kind of animal um, so the animals could also start again as well. And they could just end the story there. God saved the world through Noah, the good guy amidst all the evil. But as we'll see later on in the story, um, particularly tomorrow, we'll see that Noah too had his faults. He was certainly not perfect himself. And of course, the flood did not deal definitively with the evil in the world. Of course, there is still evil in the world today, even after the flood. No, something far greater than a flood was required. Instead of the waters pouring down, it was the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that was needed to deal with evil. Rather than God wiping out the human race, God has decided it was best and now to wipe out his only son, Jesus Christ, only for him to defeat death by raising to life three days later. The only people who survived the flood were Noah and his family, those related to Noah, and we don't actually know what his family really liked prior to the flood. We only know Noah was righteous and his family was saved through him by being related to him. And this is a picture, I think, of how we are saved through Christ. We, not, we don't deserve to be saved, but it's only through Christ and his righteousness that we are saved. Because we are related to him that we are made righteous, declared righteous in him. Noah was certainly not perfect but it was through God's favour and his grace and God's grace towards Noah that he was saved and his family with him he did not deserve to be saved and same with us it's only through Christ and what he has done for us that we have a chance of being 
saved. And not just saved, but declared righteous in Christ. So what's the application for us today? Well, we see, firstly, verse 5 is, of course, still true for us today. The Lord still sees how great the wickedness of the human race is on earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart is still only evil all the time. And that's not just people out there, the sort of people we often think of, the evil you know, terrorists, child molesters, rapists of the world. It's, it's all of us. That's, so the first application, I think, is let's allow God to search us, to reveal our hearts to us afresh, where we might be denying things about us. Let's allow God to search us and know where our heart is being deceitful. But then rather than just staying in that place um, of uh, looking inwards and allowing God to search us, let's see in verse 8 the, the turning point in the story. But Noah, the world was saved then through Noah. But as we see, Noah is just a picture. And it's through Christ, this side of the cross, that God has dealt with evil. And that is how we are saved. That's how we are declared righteous in the right before God. So the final thing we can see is not just allowing God to search us, but also let's come to Jesus now. Let's receive his forgiveness afresh. Let's repent when we've turned our back on God and receive his forgiveness, knowing that we are declared righteous in him. So I'm just going to pray now to finish. Father God, we thank you that you do not stand aloof from this world, but you care about it. You are deeply grieved when we are evil and turn our backs on you. We are sorry for when we have rebelled against you. And we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, into this world to deal with our evil on the cross. We pray that you would forgive us and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We started by praising God by reading aloud together a Psalm 145 um, verses 1 to 8 and then praying prayers of praise and thanks to God off the back of that and after the talk we had a moment of quiet to allow God to search us to repent and turn back to God to receive his forgiveness afresh we then split into groups to pray for the breakfast club and for the following things for the community, that those who come along would feel they belong here at HDC, that they would feel at home here. I prayed for faith that um, those who come along would be pointed to Jesus, put their faith and trust in him as their Lord and Saviour. Pray for breakthrough for those difficult situations, that they would experience God's power at work. For example, providing housing for those who are looking somewhere to live. I finally pray for the team that those who volunteer each week they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and know best how to relate to each and every guest who comes along today.